Do you know what the largest living thing is in the world? How'd you guess? You guys are so smart. Okay, but who knows what it's called? What, the largest living thing, what's it called? It's a sequoia tree, and it's named because it's in the national park, and they tend to name trees in the national park. So what's its name? Did you say Eric? Yeah. General Sherman tree. You're so right. Hey, it's right down the road. And I jokingly say, ask your youth pastor if you can stop there on the way home. They won't let you stop there on the way home. But you guys, you've got to put the General Sherman tree on your bucket list. It's so close to here. By the way, this is Eric and me down here next to these amazing trees just to show you how huge and awesome they are. These trees are right down off 10 Mile Road. They're not in the National Park, so you can actually walk up and touch them. When you go to the park, you can't touch them. <laughs> Most of them are fenced off, the big famous ones that are named, but this is the General Sherman tree. And it just inspires awe because it is so huge and it's only 16 miles from here. It's actually 275 feet tall. I have a mistake there on my slide that I have not corrected yet, but 35 feet wide. These trees can live 3,000 years and they only grow here, which is why when you go into Sequoia National Park and you stand there and you're just, your jaw drops as you're looking up at this amazing tree that God made, there are people all around you speaking other languages. It's because people come from all over the world to see these trees. Because they only grow here in a 260-mile strip on the eastern side of the western Nevada where the soil and the, the sunshine and the, the rainfall and everything is just right for these trees to thrive. So you got to go. You have to go. There are only 65 groves, and they're here. They're right in our backyard. I think that God made these trees so that when we looked at them, we would stand in awe. And as we look at them, we think of the one who made them. And ultimately, we stand in awe of him. These trees please him. And so they need to please us as well. So I encourage you. Oh, here's what else I want to say. The biggest trees make these tiny little cones. Aren't they so cute? And there's so many awesome things about this, these cones, like the fact that they only expel their seeds when, when they're, they experience fire because the heat is, heats them up, and so they spit out their seeds. And so many awesome things that we don't have time to talk about because we're, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into talking about trees in the Bible. But I wanted to start with sequoias just to let you know that where you are right now is a really special place when it comes to trees. And do you know that there are trees all throughout the Bible? You could spend years studying trees in the Bible. We only have 30 minutes, so we are not going to look at all of them. But I think when you start to look at trees in the Bible, what you realize is that God does spiritually significant things in people's lives in high places near trees. And where are you this week? In a high place near trees, the most awesome trees that God made, in my opinion. That's where you are. And I'll tell you, God has done amazing things in this place over the decades, and he wants to continue to do that this week in your lives, 
in, high, in a high place near trees. Let's jump in to see what the Bible has to tell us about trees. We're only going to look at a couple of them. But in Genesis 2, it tells us that the Lord God planted a garden. God, among other things, is a gardener, which I love because I like to garden. He planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put a man who he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So, God planted all these trees in this place. And he had put a man who he had formed there. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, there are lots of trees, but two of them get named here and get um, specifically talked about here in Genesis 2. None of the other trees seem to have names that we know of, and they're not highlighted here, but these are. And I think we can assume a couple things. I think we can assume that a lot of these trees looked alike, that these two trees didn't necessarily look differently than the other ones did. I think we can also assume that the tree of life was a tree that was not, the fruit wasn't ready yet. And Adam and Eve were supposed to wait for that tree. And they would be blessed if they would wait for the fruit of that tree. But I think they had to walk right by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did God tell them about that tree? Don't eat. And if you do, what will happen? You will surely die. So I think the fruit of this tree was probably ripe. The fruit of the tree of life that they were supposed to wait on perhaps wasn't ready yet. And instead of waiting in obedience, what did Eve do? Yeah, she took that fruit, she ate it, and then who did she share it with? Adam, the very one who God had told, do not eat. And he eats with her. God had made them, God had put them in the garden to work it and keep it. And the one instruction that God gave them with regard to trees, they disobeyed. The tree of life was a test of loyalty for them. Would you wait for what God offered? The tree of life offered life eternal, unhindered relationship with God, the things they longed for, wanted, needed, and instead they chose. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a test of obedience, and Eve failed, and Adam failed. And so what happened? What do we know from Genesis? What happened when they ate this fruit? Little, sorry? Yes, they hid. They were banished from the garden. The unhindered relationship that they had with the Lord, it says in Genesis that they used to walk with God in the garden in the cool of the afternoon. How sweet is that? They no longer had that. They were banished from the garden 
which is a really harsh word. They were kicked out of the garden. And the tree of life, the very thing they wanted, needed to thrive as God's creatures and have unhindered relationship with him, that tree of life was now guarded by angels with flaming swords. So they no longer could live in this beautiful garden that he had created for them. But they couldn't even have access to the thing they needed most, which was the tree of life. They were banished. The tree of life was guarded. And some people say that you can think of the rest of the Bible as a journey of God's people trying to get back to that tree of life. That the rest of the Bible is, how do I get back to that unhindered relationship with God? How can I get back to life full and satisfying and eternal? Because in Adam, we all sinned, and so we all are kept from the tree of life. And so we see this journey, this battle, this hard difficult thing of trying to get back to the tree of life. And some theologians say that along the way, as we read the Bible, we see other men crop up and other trees crop up, and we think maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the, the, the way that we're going to get back to the tree of life. Well, did you know that we see the tree of life again at the end of the Bible? So we have these bookends, tree of life in Genesis, tree of life in Revelation. And this is what it says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal. Remember what Revelation is. John gets a vision of what's to come, and he writes it down for us. This is what he sees. He sees this river of water, it's bright, it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Okay, when you get to Revelation and you see this in your mind, you're supposed to say, oh, tree of life, I've seen that somewhere before. I'm going to make a connection with Genesis What's going on here? And by the way, when you read your Bibles, do this. When you see patterns, when you th see things that are repeated, make connections. It's intentional. Oftentimes, it's intentional, and there's a bigger picture than... Sometimes we can get really focused on the passage that we're reading, and we need to settle in in a passage, and we need to learn it and love it and chew on it and meditate on it. But also, we need to back up and say, big picture... What are the biblical connections here? And when you see Tree of Life in Revelation, that's what you need to do. Hmm, how is this connected to tree of, the Tree of Life in Genesis? Notice here that this Tree of Life has so expanded in a way that our minds cannot even understand it's on either side of the river. A tree in two places. <laughs> it's got 12 kinds of fruit. The tree of life in Genesis, I believe, had one kind of fruit that wasn't even ready yet to be eaten. This has 12 kinds of fruit. It is ready for eating all year round. There's no waiting. 
Adam and Eve were supposed to wait in Genesis. Now there's no way. The fruit is always available. Do you see how this tree of life has expanded in its influence and its healing power? It says even the leaves heal the nations. It's no longer just Adam and Eve who have access to the tree of life. The nations will be healed by this tree. And the tree of life in Genesis was a place of testing. Adam and Eve were tested there. And here we see in Revelation that this tree is a place of worship. So, same tree, but different. Tree of life 2.0. Here's the problem. People are still banned from it. How, how would the tree of life, how would the, the, the banishment from the garden and the tree of life being guarded, how would that problem be solved? There's only, sorry, did someone say something? I'm hearing things. There's only one way. And it's through another tree. The tree of Calvary. Where Jesus Hung. Do you know in the Bible, the cross on which Jesus died is called a tree? In 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And in Acts 13, it says, They took him down from the tree, and they laid him in a tomb. So the wooden cross is called a tree. And so this seemingly impossible sin problem that came about when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and were kept from the tree of life, that has been solved. That problem has been solved by the death of Jesus on a tree so that we could have access to the tree of life. Jesus is often called, you maybe have heard this before, he's often called the second Adam. Adam was tested and he failed. And because we are his children, we failed. Jesus was tested in the Garden of Gethsemane and at this other tree, and he passed the test in faithfulness. He said whatever the Father's will is, that's what he would do. So he's the the second Adam, the one who passed the test, at a tree. Deuteronomy tells us that, that criminals were hung on trees, and it was a public sign that a person was published, uh, punished by people but was cursed by God. And Isaiah tells us that it was the will of the Lord to, to crush him. So he took our punishment on this tree so that the way to the tree of life would be open to you. And that's where true life, when we have access to the tree of life, that's where true life is found. Not in grasping for fruit from forbidden trees, but in being willing to obey 
and wait when God tells us to, placing our faith in Jesus. That's how we have access to this tree of life. One theologian says the tree of life is life-giving, it's forever feeding, forever healing, and it's Christ himself. John 1.14 tells us, in him was life. And Jesus himself said, truly, truly, I say to you that unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. But if you feed on my flesh and you drink my blood, you have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day in John 6. So we have to feed on his atoning death on the cross, on the tree for us. For that is where true life is found. Philippians 1, Paul tells us, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. True life is found through the tree of life, which is Jesus. If we, this is what the Bible tells us, if we are in Christ, we take on the right, the righteousness of Christ is given to us, is imputed to us, we become like trees, the Bible tells us, in different places. But particularly, I want you to think about Psalm 1. This is what it says in Psalm 1. The righteous man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff, and they dry up, and they are blown away in the wind. So when we are in Christ, the righteousness of Christ is put upon us. We become like a tree that's planted by streams of water, a tree that is green and flourishing and prospering and yields fruit. The tree of life in Revelation yields fruit 12 months of the year, 12 different kinds of fruit. When we are in Christ, we become like him and we bear fruit. Isn't that amazing? We become like him. We become like trees. And if we are like trees, what? here are a couple things that I think we need to learn about our lives, given that we are like trees. Take a look at this picture here and think about this. Going back to sequoias for a little bit. Little bit. I had said that sequoia trees can live up to 3,000 years and can grow to be almost 300 feet tall. Think of what they encounter in that lifetime. Fires, wind, rain, drought, this winter, we had like eight feet of snow up here. Think of the things that these trees have to stand up to. And realize that a sequoia tree does not have a huge root, tap root, it's called, that goes way down deep in the ground to hold it up. So how do they stay up? Their roots are completely intertwined to the point where they share nutrients. This picture show, gives you an idea. Notice that the trees on the far right and the far left are not in the direct sunlight. 
Notice the tree in the middle is receiving direct sunlight, but those little yellow dots are showing you that the energy that that central tree receives from the sun is being passed down through the interconnected roots to the other trees way out on the right or the left, keeping those other trees alive. It's an amazing fact that God made trees this way to share nutrients and water, the things they need to survive. Okay, what does that have to do with you? A lot. I think that God created us to be deeply connected to his people, like trees are underground. I think when the Bible tells us, do not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, he's talking to us and he's saying, don't stop going to church. <laughs> Go deep in the life of the church. That is God's intent for us. That is how we hold one another up when hard things come. It is so easy to believe the lie. Do not believe the lie that to be a strong person means to be an independent person. It's not true. God intends for you to be deeply connected to his people, and he gave us his church as the place to do that, the place to be known, the place to know others, the place to go when we're hurting, and the place to go when we're strong to help those who are hurting. And do not believe the lie that if you're 15, you don't have anything to offer until you become an adult. The fact is you are an important part of the root system of a church, and you have a lot to offer, even when you're 15. This is how God intends for us to live, deeply connected to his people. I will tell you, I have a group of friends. There's seven of us all together. We've been friends for about 20 years, and we, they're all moms, and we get together twice a month for dinner. And it is no small task to get together twice a month for dinner when you have lots of kids and lots of responsibilities, but we highly value it. And here's what I realize about being friends with the same group. I mean, I have other friends too, but being good friends with this group of people over 20 years. Here's one, one observation. We take turns going through hard things. We all go through hard things. Thankfully, we're not all going through really hard things at the same time. Because two years ago, when it was my turn to go through something extremely difficult, my friends because these roots were deep and they were strong, my friends held me up in really practical ways. And sometimes just by praying and sending me scripture and sometimes by making dinner for my family and cleaning my house. But hard times will come. You all have lived long enough. You all have been through something hard or at least someone you love has and more will come, and we need the root system to be in place before the hard thing comes. Okay, this is a, you're shaking your head, you know about this, what's it called? Oh, I'll help you, biosphere. Yes, I don't know about what, I don't know the difference, but I read this as biosphere too. <laughs> there must be two. But this is an experiment that they're doing, have been doing for a long time, where they plant all kinds of trees and plants inside these domes to study them and see how um, they thrive. And what they learned over years 
is that the trees don't thrive in here. And the scientists are like, hmm, what is going on? Why are these trees not growing to full height? Why are these, some of these trees bending over? Why are they not doing well? They have the sun, they have the nutrients, they have the humidity, the right amount of water. Why are they not thriving? Here's what they realized. Trees aren't meant to live under domes. <laughs> when they do, what they don't have is wind. Because I'm no scientist, but from what I read, trees need wind because as they bend over, something chemically happens inside of them and it makes their bark stronger and it makes them able to thrive because of the heart, the wind. Do you see the application to our lives? You're so smart. Don't you know that God allows winds in our lives? That God allows hard things in our lives so often it makes us stronger. But we have to have the roots in place, don't we? Because we'll fall over otherwise. Sometimes you're the strong one. And you need to be filled up and ready to be helpful. To say to your friend, I know you're doubting. Let me tell you what I read this morning in the Bible and why I'm feeling strong right now. And sometimes you need to be honest and say, I'm the weak one. And go to your friend who seems to be spiritually thriving and say, help me. Please pray for me. Please help me. Can I lean on your faith a little bit until I regain strength? But the root system has to be in place. My encouragement to you guys. Be like trees. God created you to be deeply connected. So, find a good church if you don't have one. Go deep and stay there. We're going to have a couple of minutes for questions. But before I do that, let me just remind you, God does significant things in people's lives in high places and near trees. And that's where you are this week. So I would encourage you to, to seek him. And when you look at trees, think, oh, Lord, what do you want to tell me about yourself through that tree and tell me about myself through that tree? And ask the Lord to do spiritually significant things in your life and your friends' lives this week. Okay, I'm ready for questions. We have a couple minutes. By the way, you guys, oh, before that question, I just want to say, you guys have been so attentive, and I just thank you so much because, yeah. I'm not comparing, but I'll just say not every group is this attentive. So you guys, thank you. It's very mature. Okay, yes, sir. What's your question? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, that's so good. I don't know. You, you study that and get back to us. I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. Like I said, I am, I'm kind of on this new 
journey of studying this topic, and I'm loving it. And if you are interested, because some of you came in cheering, trees, trees, trees. Um, if you are interested, uh, where is it? There it is. Um, okay, the Bible Project guys, I don't know if you ever listen to the Bible Project guys, but oh man, I learned a lot from them. But they did like an eight-hour series on trees in the Bible. And so there it is, if you're interested to learn more. They are... They did their homework. They have a lot to say, and it blew my mind, and hopefully it'll blow your mind, too. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, I'm not going to remember a lot of them, but they, they will tell you all about them, but... Um, like Moses in the burning bush is kind of is a, a tree story. And um, I mean, you can draw, t- depending how you define tree, um, you can draw a lot of, um, you can find things about wood even, like Noah's Ark being built out of a tree. And I, just yesterday, just Sunday in church, the uh, preacher was talking about David saying, I am like a green olive tree planted in the house of the Lord and drawing um, lessons from what does David mean that he's a green olive tree? But there's a lot about olive trees in the Bible. Olive trees being, um, well, olive leaves being the thing that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves up which came to signify uh, something that was placed in between them and God and the intimacy that they used to have. It's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, anything? It's about time. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and let you guys go. Lord, thank you um, for these men and women and their um, respectfulness this morning. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would do spiritually significant things in their lives this week Um, because ultimately that's uh, why we're all here and um, Lord thank you thank you for all that you have to teach us in your word I pray that you give us eyes to look for connections and lessons in places that we maybe have missed for a long time in Jesus name amen